Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Welcome back to Significant Others. I'm Liza Powell O'Brien. In yesterday's episode, we learned about the incredible life of Kesterba Gandhi, who was so beautifully voiced by my friend Dipika Guha. Today, Dipika joins us again to talk about Kesterba from the perspective of someone who grew up in an Indian family. Dipika, thank you for joining us today. I have such a rigidly Western perspective when it comes to Gandhi, and I'm wondering what was the myth of Gandhi in your family, if there even was one? Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I found myself, so Liza, thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for the opportunity to go back to this story. It's been a while since I've even thought about Gandhi. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I grew up in a secular India mm-hmm. in the 90s. And so I found it massively emotional yesterday and, you know, this last week. And um, as I was looking over the story again and seeing your point of view, um, not just on who he was as a national, international figure, but who he was as a husband and what this relationship really was between teenagers. Yeah. Not even. Right. (laughs) Barely. I know. I think it was very simplified when I was growing up, sort of father of the nation, freedom, like he, you know, the salt march and nonviolence. And, you know, we certainly didn't know about all of this stuff about his sex life and permanently, you know, that those chapters, I think, are only recently coming out. And um, well, and also it was, I mean, it's so difficult to evaluate from the perspective of, you know, a modern Western understanding of relationships because... I I had to keep sort of retraining myself, even as I was reading about this and writing it down, that it's not to be subservient for his wife was a virtue. And, you know, right or wrong, judge that as you will. Right. um, It gave her life great meaning and purpose. Right. you know, so in, in a lot of ways, you th- I feel like, oh, no, thanks. I wouldn't want to. <laughs> that's not the marriage I'm hoping to enter into. But um, but then there are probably, you know, values there that I can't appreciate, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think that it's both it's both and sort of uh, kind of having to sit with the complexity of that, that he was selfish and narcissistic in this way in in his pursuit of truth. And purity, if we accept that, which I think, I mean, I I think I do. I take that at face value, that that is what was happening, and and mm-hmm. he was 
maybe conflicted about his celibacy in a way that he couldn't express within the confines of the of the mission that he had taken on whatever whatever that was it wasn't we can say it wasn't okay and also a man who embraced the widest possible of ideals which is that you know until all of us are free none of us are free which mm-hmm. he did like i think that's what i felt most strongly going back to this that they mm-hmm. were yoked together by that mission and she who knows how she felt about it but right. like the catastrophe of that mm. like she could not have i can't imagine that she could have known at 13 never what was going to ha- what was going to happen what was going to be asked of her and we don't i don't quite know the way that his philosophy sort of unfurled but when it did it when it crystallized you know in south africa mm-hmm. it felt like there was no going back that mm-hmm. was it mm. yeah and no i mean I, I i like when my husband goes on a diet i'm annoyed you know what i mean like <laughs> I, i'm i am so i'm so in awe of uh people who are able to suffer <laughs> for a, a you know a, for a real purpose um i'm i'm <laughs> marshmallow um but but i'm wondering because honestly this subject was suggested to me for this um episode and i literally don't think i ever knew gandhi had a wife so Mm. was how aware were you of her existence um not not hugely aware um Mm. i mean i knew that she existed and i think we celebrate her birthday Possibly mm-hmm. in India. There's that kind mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. we know, but she's she's a very sort of shadowy, in support of Gandhi sort of figure. Mm. And interesting. Um, there's there's so much I don't know, but it's 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 interesting how quiet that lineage has been. Like he had 13 grandchildren, and right. we don't hear from them either. Right. Uh, Is that partly because of some of the, you know, complicated? Again, this is all very kind of like, you know, backseat understanding of yes, the, and the history of speculative it. on my part. Yeah, greatly yeah. speculative. Perfect. That's what we're here for. Um, <laughs> uh, this is my specialty. Um, Gossip about. <laughs> exactly. Things I'm very rarely acquainted with. Yes, that sounds great. Um, uh, hit that subscribe button. So, um, but there was, as I understand it, sort of this, you know, he, he, he was able to galvanize so much hope and then able to deliver on that hope in terms of liberating the nation. And then after the liberation, things weren't perfect. And there was a lot of infighting. And I there, there was like a backlash. I think there's often a backlash for any great, you know, person. And uh, and I wonder if how much the quiet of the family comes from sort of retreating in the face of you know, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Turns out he wasn't perfect after all, and maybe he's actually to blame for some stuff. Which, you no, know, I don't know if that's true. And how much of it was more personal? Like these these poor children. I mean, growing up with a an iconic parent is probably never uncomplicated, but he really would have been a tough one, I think, to have as a parent. And uh, yeah, I think maybe there's some of that. The sort of the shadow. Of how do you live up to that? The responsibility and maybe not wanting to, 
and the backlash and, you know, India changing and then the shadow of partition, which was so horrible and bloody and messy mm. and, and three countries mm-hmm. um, on the other side of that struggle. And then I was, it occurred to me today, is it because unlike other dynastic figures in India, that family had nothing because that was part right. of Satyagraha, like they were poor. And so yeah. the descendants, I mean, they, they, I think everybody followed sort of had middle-class lives and um, there right. was no generational wealth, which is sort of unusual for a big political yeah. dynasty. And um, it, it, I mean, greed has been such a defining feature, I think, of modern mm. India. Mm. And uh accumulation and of course i i think about it in relationship to partition and where at a, in 1947 no one had anything and so mm-hmm. there has been this great emphasis on the you know the growing middle class and you can accumulation of wealth so it, i'm not unreservedly <laughs> judgmental just reservedly so perfect of, of uh <laughs> of where we are but like i wonder if there was there's some shame around that or some way in which those values, the values he held, the Gan- and Gandhian values in a way have just fallen out right. of fashion and fallen out um, in terms of what, what we're raised in. Right. No one's even promoting them anymore. No, or has any understanding of what that meant. And it was pretty common at the time that people understood it meant to devote your life to a to a cause bigger than you. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. If I would have kept making only the minimum payments on my credit cards, my debt would have taken me 47 years to pay off. These are real National Debt Relief customers. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get out of debt by myself. Credit card, medical, or personal loan debt? National Debt Relief negotiates with your creditors to reduce what you owe. National Debt Relief got me out of debt. You could be debt-free in as little as 24 to 48 months. Visit nationaldebtrelief.com to learn more and get started. nationaldebtrelief.com. I'm glad you said that because nobody says that. Can I just say thank you to you for such a thoughtful interview? Oh my God, yeah, I think you nailed it. Bullseye, interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. Listen to the Bullseye podcast only from NPR and Maximum Fun. I've been feeling so emotional about it because 
it just feels like that tie to secularism has gone in the last mm. year, a decade or so, because we've had um, a really right-wing government in in India that has been mm-hmm. beating the drum of Hinduism and Hinduism above all else. And Gandhi was, mm. of course, fiercely, fiercely secular and, you know, deeply, inv- I mean, partition hurt him. Like it hurt the whole country, but um, hurt him enormously. I mean, he was so in- invested in protecting the Muslim population, which is, mm. there's a, there are more Muslims in India still than there are in Pakistan. Like we have mm. a huge Muslim population and he was really believed that, you know, we have as the Hindu majority our obligations to protect them. And all of that has been turned on its head with mm. the rhetoric of the government in recent times. And, you know, historically Hinduism, Hindus, we've had, it, we, we had no identity like the the word Hindu was given to us by the invading Muslims, the mm. Mughals, when they invaded India, kind of referred to everybody um, east of the Indus River as Hindus. Mm-hmm. There was no, we've had no identity. And I think that in this age of um, nation states and us clawing for some kind of sense of who we are, like it's sort of... Um, that search has been co-opted. Uh, it was co-opted by the British first, mm. you know, f- the whole divide and rule thing, because we had no unifying principle. We had no nothing that was sort of tying tying the country together because it really wasn't a na- you know it wasn't a nation. Mm-hmm. And that's a recent invention, and it, they were opportunistic about it. And and then and now it's been co-opted by the right to say that not only are we Hindus who have, you know, an identity that needs protecting, that we have been sort of hard done by because of our minorities. It's the same rhetoric that's happening Mm -hmm. here, of course, and Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. in many other countries. So, um, yeah, I was reading today that in in India, in Parliament, there's a big kind of photograph of Gandhi, and opposite that photograph is is a is a big photograph of the man who assassinated him. Wow. Who's being revered because of course he was Hindu Hindus for India for Hindus. Right. Right. Um so I and I haven't lived in India for a very long time and so I don't even know quite what that what it feels like now and what that our textbooks are all different than it was when I was growing up because I grew up in a different country. Um we're all in this moment of teetering between liberal democracy and autocracy and um, conservatism. And it's fascinating that it, that it's resonating even in this way, like where you think there are some, surely there are some idols that are, are safe. <laughs> no. And, and I thought maybe some of them wouldn't be safe for their own reasons. Like, you know, okay, maybe Gandhi wasn't the best husband, but, you know, and we can fault him on that. But to feel that he's up for discussion in other ways too is um uh interesting yeah interesting and 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 saddening and i and i found it sort of heartbreaking because apart from as you say quite rightly there's been a reinterrogation of gandhi in terms of his sex life and those brahmachari practices that he did and quite quite rightfully so 
but it also seems like we're of course we're we're missing out to focus on calling him out now <laughs> like <laughs> like I know that, I mean um yeah that doesn't yeah it doesn't account for the whole the whole picture of course but like yeah I was listening to this conversation between a South African freedom fighter who had been a white barrister there and and a black British like civil rights advocate or agitator. And they were having this conversation about this kind of, you know, what do we let stand from previous generations mm-hmm. when we recognize how flawed the idols are. And the South African guy who had had his arm blown off in a, you know, a bombing during the fight against apartheid said, why not turn it into an, you know, a sort of art exhibit where you invite artists to come and add to the statue and adjust it or layer onto it instead of this sort of, you know, this urge to purify and cleanse and remove the history uh, in an effort to right some sort of wrong, why can there not be an ongoing, you know, active conversation, renegotiation about it um, yeah. that can be sort of beautiful, which I was, I was amazed by that suggestion. Yeah, I, thought I that think was that's great. so beautiful and is the kernel of so much that is um, uncomfortable to me about call out, the whole call out situation is that mm-hmm. we're losing the opportunity for dialogue in every instance, um, mm-hmm. in an in an in outright rejection, and I think it kind of loops back to Gandhi in a way, and the passive resistance, sort of the core of what he was saying, which is passive resistance and nonviolence. And um, it seems to me that at the heart of that, there is both acceptance. When you resist something, you are also accepting the conditions that it does mm-hmm. exist. You're not saying mm-hmm. it does exist. So there's like a profound acceptance in that. And there's also in not engaging with those terms, there's an opportunity for renegotiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it struck me as I was learning more on a granular level about his legacy, which again, I had known you know, in a very broad strokes kind of probably whitewashed, not terribly nuanced understanding of his work that this was never explicitly stated in anything that I read. But to me, it felt as if one of the levers that he was able to employ to great effect was shame, Mm. that he, you know, invited people, his people, um, and I know that that is part of the complication of his legacy also because, you know, the South African blacks felt excluded by him. And, you know, I know that there were caste issues um, initially in around his work, um, which I think he he shifted during his time to um, address. But, you know, he invited people, especially when the women were able to get involved, you know, who were demonstrably vulnerable and put them in or invited them to put themselves into harm's way to expose the governments for being bullies. And that was effective. And I feel as if one of the characteristics of our current moment 
is that shame is leeching away and that shame is this very useful hmm. part of human psyche, right? It's what mm. keeps us all, you know, able to perform some sort of civil mm. <laughs> experiment with one another. And, you know, that's like, there's no shame on social media because we don't have the face-to-face -face interaction, mm. you know, and people act and speak very differently on social media than they do in real life. And it's because they don't have to be accountable mm -hmm. in person. So anyway. Yeah. And I guess my question or my response to that is, can you have accountability without shame? Like, yeah, can I don't we, know. Can we get to, you're like, no. <laughs> I don't can know. Can we get to a place where it's, because the fear about sh fear about shame is that it it is, um, underneath it is real resentment because you haven't processed mm. Mm. You haven't taken accountability or you just want people to like you again. Mm -hmm. You just want the mm -hmm. specter of shame off. So right underneath mm. that, you've got another world war coming potentially. Which um, is, yeah. Which yeah. is sort of, which where is we sort are. of the fit where it's exactly where we are. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I could talk to you for hours. Yeah, I could talk to you for hours. I feel like I've said many uninformed things, but this um, is, this it's is such what we're a pleasure about. to talk to you. <laughs> about them <laughs> shreds of thoughts <laughs> thanks again to the brilliant and lovely Dipika Guha for joining us today and listen in next time to learn why Abraham Lincoln insisted on getting married immediately after he proposed and finally if you enjoyed what you heard today be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.